They can plan on being a part of that. Do you bring your Bibles today? All right, let's make our declaration. Let's say it together. This is my Bible. Are we ready, guys? One, two, three, go. There we go. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, we thank you today for your word that is alive, that is quick, that is powerful, that is life-giving and life-transforming. So we open our hearts to receive it and to be changed by it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, this morning I'm going to give you part two and uh, on following, having courage to follow the plan, God's plan for our life. And uh, we think about planning, we think about everything else that we do. Uh, we're talking about, you know, the family camp. How do you have a family camp? We have to plan for it. So while we were there, we had to make the plan to reserve it before we left. And so everything that you do in life, if you're going to be successful at it to any degree, has to have a plan. And the reason I'm sharing this like this, because many times we just think all I need is a spiritual experience. But if I just have a spiritual experience or encounter with God, but I don't have a plan on how to walk out my life with God concerning the choices that I make, then nothing's going to change unless I have a plan and follow that plan. Would you agree? And so I've been going through, I told you that I had a pastor who retired <clears throat> that asked me if I wanted his library, and I said yes. And then after he, I said yes and went to get it, I didn't realize how much that entailed because I had like three pickup beds of uh, loads of boxes of books that he had accumulated over 50 years of pastoring. And that's so I was teasing my grandson yesterday, Jackson. He loves to read and stuff. And so we were cracking up because when Dr. Gee was here, so I got a nine-year-old grandson that bought his book on revival. He wanted to buy the book on marriage, but his mom told him he had to wait. And, and so he has his book on, on revival. He has his book on prayer. And then when Ron Canoli was here, he bought Ron Canoli's book on worship. So yesterday we're driving to a basketball game. He's in the back reading out of the book on worship by Ron Canoli. I said, that's awesome. So, uh, but anyway, going through these books, so I asked him, said, do you want all Papa's book uh, when, uh, when, when, when I go? He goes, well, only if you write one. I said, okay, I'll write one and dedicate it to you, Jackson. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, but in this, this is the book about divine covenants, and it covers all the covenants in, in the scripture. And it's written by a gentleman called A.W. Pink. It was written in the 60s and uh, published again. This publishing is from 1973. But I just want you to listen to what he says about God in this area about planning. He said, it's been very well pointed out that it is very obvious that because God is in intelligence, he must have a plan. Because God is an intelligence, he must have a plan. If he be an absolutely perfect intelligence, desiring and designing nothing but good, if he be an internal and immutable intelligence, his plan must be one eternal, all comprehensive, immutable. That is, all things from his point of view must constitute one system and sustain one perfect logical relation in all of its part. Or God must have a complete plan. Are you listening to me? And so God is, how many know you're made in the image and likeness of God? And so when you study covenant, you find out that God started with the eternal covenant or with the everlasting covenant that before time began, scripture tells us that Christ was slain before the foundations of the world, that he chose us before the world began. So in God's plan, you are part of his plan from the very beginning. You showed up at your appointed time. 
you and I are living in our appointed time. And uh, 1 John 3, 8, it says, in the fullness of time, Christ was manifest. And it was manifest for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. So he came with purpose, and he came with assignment and a plan to fulfill. Jesus said, Father, I've done your works in the earth. I came to do your will and to finish the work that you gave me to do. If you go on a job, then there will be a plan for what has to be done that day. If you're in construction, if you're in business of any kind, there's usually a daily plan of what needs to be accomplished during that day. Amen? And so when God sends us, he also has a plan for our life. But many times we just think spiritual and we kind of float around a little bit. But our Christianity and our, and, and our truth has to become practical in application in our life. So if I'm just waiting for everything spiritual to happen, it doesn't happen that way. It happens by planning and by connecting with God's plan. So I want to give you a couple of scriptures. So look at this. God has a plan. We need to trust it. We need to live it. And we need to what? Enjoy it. Praise the Lord. Put the first scripture up there if you would, guys, or the, the next slide up if you would. So it just says, God is the master plan, so we must let his master plan become our plan. And so God has a plan, but us, see, the devil won his greatest victory in the garden when he got man to choose to be his own God. What did the devil say? The Lord knows in the day you eat thereof, you shall be like God, or you shall be a God unto yourself, because now you will have the knowledge, instead of walking with God in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, you will now rule your life by your discernment of what you think is good and what you think is evil. Listen to what God said. You are not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it, it, knowledge is the king, but being able to decide, I think that's good, I don't think that's good. That rules most of our life. So we come up with really good plans for our life. But God says, okay, that's a nice plan, but I have a plan for your life as well. Which plan do you want to live? Well, God, I think mine is really good. I just want to live it and see how it compares to yours. In fact, I even think you should adopt my plan. I even think you should bless my plan. Many times that's what we pray. God, here's my plans. Would you bless it? Instead of saying, God, what's your plan? I want to follow it. Amen? And so what did Jesus say to the disciples? He, didn't, he said, come and follow me. He didn't say, hey, you guys got any ideas how I should do this? I'm sure you guys have some great ideas on how I can save the world. No, he just said, come and follow me, and I will direct your paths. Amen? So watch that. So look at the first scripture that I have for you today, and we've heard all these before. Go ahead with the next slide, guys. Look what it says. Ephesians 2.10, look what it says. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. Watch. He planned for us long ago. So before you came, God had a plan for your life. Amen. Look at the next one, Jeremiah 23. Look what it says. For I know the what? Plant. Now, look, look at that. That word plans is plural. He has more, he has plans for your life. He, he has multiple things that he desires to do through your life and mine. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. How many know that's good when God says he's planned a future and a hope for you? Amen. So we just accept that. Next one, guys. 
Proverbs 15.22 says, plans go wrong for what? Lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. You know one thing people don't really like is advice. Because you've already planned out exactly how you want to do it. You don't want advice, you want agreement. Amen? No, don't, 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 don't offer any alterations to my plan. Just agree that I'm super smart. And I got this right. Look at the next one, if you would. Proverbs 20:18. Plans succeed through what? Good counsel. Don't go to war without what? Wise advice. Amen. And so when you think about that, and Luke will talk about it, Jesus said nobody goes out to war in the strategy that he gave. He said nobody goes to war without considering lest he has enough to defeat his adversary. You don't go out with 10,000 against somebody with 20,000 and expect to win. You have to have good advice in your counsel. Next one, if you would. Psalm 33:11 says this, but the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. So how many know his plans are better than ours? So if I choose to accept his plan, he always gives me a better plan. The next one, guys. Psalms 119, verse 91. In fact, just turn there to Psalm 119. I want to read a couple verses before that. Leave that one up there, guys, because we're going to get to it. We're going to read the verses just before it. So you go back up to verse 89, the two verses before it. They say this, forever, O Lord, your word is what? Settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generation. You establish the earth and it abides. They continue this day according to your ordinances or plan for all are your servants. So Psalm 91 says, your regulations remain, your ordinances remain true to this day for everything serves your plans. But God says your, his word is established forever in heaven. So the plans of God can be trusted. Could you say amen? And then the last one, Psalms 103 and verse 20, I like this. It says, praise the Lord, you whose angels, you mighty ones who carry out what? His plans, listening for each of his command. So how do I get God to dispatch angels on my behalf to cause the workaround thing? How many know Hebrews 1 says the angels are ministering spirits under the heirs of salvation, but they don't hearken to us. They hearken to his plan. So when I'm living in agreement with his plan, you have warring angels on your behalf. Come on, somebody. It's a great thing. So look at your outline with me this morning as we go through this for the next few moments. God never is finished until you are. God's never finished with your life until you're finished living for him. Amen. We live in a world that seeks to condition us to become non-productive, to believe that age determines productivity. You're either too young to be productive or you're too old to be productive. Think about it. But God declares that those who are planted, Psalm 92, those who are planted in his house shall flourish and still bring forth fruit even in old age. So God determines that you, as long as you're alive, you're fruitful. I was reading another book by, that, that I was reading in there, and the gentleman was talking about being fruitful, but he said there, there's a passage of Scripture where Paul says, while death is working in me, life is working in you. 
So if you think about a tree or something, trees are plants, they grow, and then they age, and they're moving towards their end. But the whole time they're growing, and they're, they're moving forward, and death is working in them, they're producing seeds that are dropping new life. So while death is working in us, we are still sowing seeds of new life, and that's that generational blessing that keeps going on. So we want to be at the viewpoint that, God, I'm going to keep sowing seeds. I'm going to keep sowing seeds because while I'm aging, no matter what age I am, I said we are talking to some friends of mine. In fact, some friends of mine from high school, <clears throat> they were celebrating their 50th anniversary and stuff, wedding anniversary, and that's cool. That means I've been out of high school for a long time. And, uh, but anyway, you just think about that. And, we, and so we thought about it. We went to uh, Reno with them when they were there getting married. A bunch of us friends got together. We all went over there with them. And that, we're thinking, man, that was just like yesterday. No, that was 50 years ago. And so even for us as young people, we forget no matter where we are, we are moving towards an end. But while we're moving towards that end in the process, we're always sowing seeds for life and for the things to perpetuate and to keep going. Can you say amen? So you have to keep that in mind. Don't reach a place or station in life where you think, I have no more to give. I'm just going to sit back. No, you can always sow seed to produce more. Hallelujah. You see, the world we live in also seeks to define us by the failures of our past. While God's desire is to forgive our failures and release us to his plans for our future. So many times when, when you start out, I got saved at 25 and in walking with the, in, in the experiences I had before, I had nothing but failure in my life. Through my teen years and early adult years, I had failure. But I'm thankful that God had a plan for me that he didn't consult my past to determine. God never consults your past to determine your future. He's already planned your future. He planned your future and your purpose before you showed up. Paul said, I, Paul, called to be an apostle from my mother's womb. God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you and I ordained you to be. That means between the time that you birthed, your, you are birthed into this earth and you come on the scene until the time you recognize your purpose, in that space of time, it doesn't matter what's going on. It doesn't matter what happened. That doesn't change your assignment and your purpose in God. Hallelujah. It's just good. So here's what I'm declaring to you today. We need a last day revelation of his plan. Because we are closer than we think to the last days. If you look at your world, what is happening around, America has never been more stupid than it is today. There's never been more ignorance abounding in a society than there is in America today. When people say, oh, the border is secure, there's only 9 million people coming across in the last year, few years. Are you kidding me? Come on, the, the things that are said like that in different things, in all of the sexual identity and gender identity confusion that's going on, what we're doing to our children in, in schools and stuff, and, and how we're medically castrating our children. How stupid can we be? All the different things that are going on in cultural society, in global society, and, and everything that's happening with the wars and everything in the Middle East, all these things are winding down to what the Bible says in the last days, there will be strong delusion. Amen? So we need to understand that we need to be aware of the time. So here's the question, what are we waiting for? 
to get involved, to follow God's plan. God has a plan and a purpose for your life to be fulfilled in this season that is connected to the fulfillment of his eternal purpose coming to pass in this prophetic hour. The church is the big deal. How do I know that? The church, God's big deal is always what people are losing interest for. People are losing interest for the church today. The national statistic, and part of this is because of media. I'm glad we can live stream. I'm glad some of you are watching this today, and you're flipping back and forth between this and the game that started at 10 o'clock. Well, it actually doesn't start till 12. Amen. Excuse me. You're getting ready to flip. Anyway, but all those things. But what? The, you know what the national average is? People go to church. 1.6 times a month. And everybody here, oh, I can't believe that. No, it's probably you too. Amen. Or the average or less than once every three weeks. And I watch our church, people say, well, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, I look at our church, I know who's on our roll and doing that stuff, and we have a certain amount of people that show up almost every week, and we have a whole group of people that are different every week. You see a different group is here, a different group is there, and I know life has situations, don't get mad at me. We all have life to do, we miss every now and then in doing that, but, but if I lose my desire and my press and my purpose, if I'm losing interest for the things of God, then those are the things that are important because the devil doesn't want you interested in what God is doing. And so in this hour when people are becoming disinterested, when you see that, that we are called the post uh, Christian generation, the postmodern, post Christian generation, when you see the percentage of people that believe in God, and now one of the largest percentage is non, no faith, no belief of any kind, that percentage is growing, then you understand that the church really is the big deal. Are you doing okay? Why is it the big deal? Because it's the only thing that hell cannot prevail against. And the only thing that Jesus said he was building in the earth. This is what we have. We have a lot of Christian viewpoints of what we think is the most important thing about Christianity. You know what Jesus thinks is the most important thing? Just people. Because his church is made up of believers. His church is built and assembled, and every believer is a part of his church. And every believer, every person that gets saved and born again into the kingdom is baptized into his body. He is building his body. He is assembling his bride. He is redeeming his bride. He's not redeeming the things that we think that are important. Amen. And so the church is the big deal. Jesus said, I will, Matthew 16, verse 18, 19, he says, Peter, upon this confession that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, upon the revelation of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is the body, the bride of Christ. Hell cannot prevail against his body. Amen. And so the church is the big, he's not building anything else. He's not building empire. He's not building the things that we think he should be building. He's building his church. Amen. And so the church is the big deal. See, it will take a great spiritual discernment not to be deceived. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11.
I believe there's more deception in our day than there has ever been before. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12 says, But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they both. Verse 13, For such are false prophets, deceitful, somebody say deceitful, deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles, watch it, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. One thing I've watched over the last 15 years plus is everybody giving themselves a title. We got apostles, we got bishops, we got that, we got, you know, everybody has to have a title. So people promoting themselves and transforming themselves, but be careful. Today, anybody can get online, anybody with a phone can have an international ministry. You don't have to have camera. You don't have to have anything. You just, you, your phone can go global with a video instantly. And you get on there and say things that sound good. But here's something else. that w- Without connection, how do you know character? You have no idea about the character of people that are there. Why do we come together? Why are we in a house? Because through connection and relationship, you get to see the person's character. Amen. So it says, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Verse 14, and no wonder, watch this, for Satan himself transforms himself into what? An angel of light. Wow. Therefore, it is no great thing that his ministers or demons and fallen angels also transform themselves into ministers of what? Wow. Whose end will be according to their works. So, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm just saying that you need great discernment today. Hallelujah. I believe we're living a day that casual Christianity won't pass the mustard. Amen. So watch this. Even more so now in this time. You have to know the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the devil and the world. What does that mean? You must have right doctrine, right thoughts, and right action. Praise the Lord. Look inside your outline, if you would, with me. So what, how do you do that? Evaluate everything by this. I believe this is the key. It must be about building and growing the local church and God's people or it is not worth doing. Our plans, our purposes, how we live our life, if it's not about building the church and growing God's people to be solid, to be strong, to be mature, and to be fruit-bearing in the kingdom, then it's not worth doing because Jesus said, I will build my church. And last week we read, and we've referred to a few verses here this morning, Luke 14, 26 through 35, Jesus gave the strategy that if you're going to sit down to build a house and have plans to build a house, then first sit down and count the cost. So with your plans, we showed it to you last week with the plan that we had here in the design. And so you draw the plan, you make the adjustment, and you walk it out. Can you say amen? But Jesus gave a plan there, and he outlined strategic leadership that builds a church. Webster defines strategy as the science or art of planning. To have a good strategy for your life, it's connected to the art of planning. Watch this. For war or conflict or victory without a strategy. Amen. What, what we have many times and what's hurt us as America is we enter into an engagement without an exit strategy. We get in without knowing how you're going to get out. 
And so we never get out. And that's one of the complaints against the leadership of our nation. You got us engaged in this. What was your plan getting in? How long are we committed? What are we committed for? How much are we committed for? Did you think this through? No, we're just defending the world. Hallelujah. It's quiet in this Holy Ghost Bible-believing church this morning. And many times we do the same thing. We just get into things and we don't think it all the way through. You heard me say it uh, uh, last week when we talked about people wanting to have an event here at their church. We say, okay, here's the sheet, fill this out. And we ask you to think it all the way through, all the way through to throwing who's going to put the trash away and clean up after you're done. What's your clean up? What's your exit strategy when you walk out this building? Will it be the same as you found it? Well, that's not very spiritual. No, that's just real spiritual. Amen. It's called practical spirituality. Are you doing all right? Amen. And so it takes the art of, and the science of planning in directing a series of maneuvers, action steps to take any enterprise or goal to the next level. I mean, no planning sounds like work. Christians don't want work. They want a miracle from God. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and, and we have a choice where we live today. If you need a miracle all the time, you're probably in a wilderness. God did miracle of provision and sustaining and everything for the nation of Israel while they went through the wilderness. When they got into the promised land, he said, you're going to live by seed time and harvest. a thought. See, walk me through this, with me through this. You must know what you want to accomplish before you develop your strategy or plan. What's your goal? What are you after? The goal must come first. You cannot know how to do it until you know what you're going to do. Amen? So what do you want to do? Do you have a goal? What do you want to do? And you walk with God in your business, in your plan, in your life, in your marriage, for your children, for your future. Do you have a goal? What is your goal? And then once you define the goal, then you can plan towards that. There's a big difference between strategy and emulations. Emulations is looking like, acting like somebody else. There are a lot of preachers who try to preach with the same cadence, the same call, the same style as other preachers. There are a lot of people trying to emulate other ministries and do what they do. Emulation is there. You need your own plan and you need your own strategy. You can learn, you can gain wisdom, you can get insight, you can get instruction, but then you have to come up with your own plan. Amen? Deal with it. So there's a big difference in that area. And you cannot cover failure with pseudo-spirituality. Matthew 25 is the parable of talent. The, the master called the servant together, gave to one five, to another two, and to another one. The first two came back, said, Lord, we had a plan. You gave us that. We developed this plan. We had a strategy. We invested. This is the increase that we made. We worked our plan. It produced. And so now we have increase to bring back to you. The, the one with the one came up with his spiritual, his, his pseudo-spirituality. I'll get it right. He came up with that and said, Lord, I know that you are an austere master, that you reap where you don't sow. And so out of fear of getting it wrong, I just held on to what you have, and here I have it back. And the Lord called him a wicked and unprofitable servant. And he took away from him what he had and gave it to the one who had ten. 
Because he said, if you knew that I was austere and that I reap where I don't sow and I produce in, in those areas, then you should have at least, somebody say at least. He said, you'd at least put my money in the bank and got me 0.025%. <laughs> you should have at least got me 50 cents. Amen. But you didn't give me nothing. Amen. And so you try to give me some pseudo-spiritual excuse why you've been unfruitful. God doesn't accept our spiritual excuses. He created you for purpose. Everything God created is to be fruitful and to multiply. You, there's nothing in creation that is not fruitful and does not multiply if it's alive. And if you and I are alive in God, then he ordained your life and my life to be fruitful and to bring increase into his kingdom. And I just can't come up with some pseudo-spiritual excuse of why I do nothing for God. I'm preaching real good this morning. Hope it's helping you. Amen. So think about it. What does that mean? It means you can't use another person's strategy plan and plan with your resources. Well, look what other people are doing. You have to have your own resources. You can't do what others do without the resources to do them. I want to do this. I want to do that. No, make your plan. Start with what you have and then build your plan from there. Your strategy or plan must control your schedule. Amen. What does that mean? It means if you're doing things for God, you have to learn one of the first words you have to learn, even if you're trying to get out of debt. You have to learn to say no. Let's stop and get a latte. No. Why? Because we're getting out of debt. We'll drink lattes again when we're not in debt. Let's go out to pizza tonight. No. We're going to go home and have beans and weenies. Our pastor gave Sue and I a great life. He sat us down. And he goes, hey, he gave us his beans and weenie pre-marriage counseling thing. There'll be days. When all you have is beans and weenies, and you'll be glad. And Sue and I have had a lot of great days growing up. Our kids started out, and, and we tell our story, because we got married. We, all of our furniture for a long time was, came from a store called Early American, Hey, You Want This. I go, yeah. So we got married. We had this little folding card table and four little chairs. And we'd eat our dinner and cut our food and our milk would splash out of our glass. So I told my daughter, honey, you haven't lived. You haven't lived. So all you have is a card table and four little folding chairs. And your milk spills out of your glass when you're cutting your beans and weenies. <laughs> she goes, just because you started there, Dad, doesn't mean we have to. I said, okay, go for it. Amen. But I agree, but, but, but there's that area that, that if you don't discipline yourself to say no, the things you say yes to will knock you off of your strategy and your plan. And, you'll want, and then you'll get frustrated, but it's your fault because you haven't disciplined yourself to say no. Are you doing okay? Amen. People say, well, I want to give. Well, where else is your money going to? What else are you spending your money on? Well, I need another one of this. I need another one of that. I, I just I share for myself, and, and I do things that I do over all these years, since 1998. I don't spend any money out of our pay, paychecks if I want stuff. I believe God 
for increase from other areas. So people have asked me to preach. I get birthday money. I get this or whatever that comes. That, that goes over into a me fund. That doesn't affect our life fund. Are you listening to me? And then I do this. Probably none of you do that. If somebody gives me something for my birthday, for Christmas, our church, you guys are all, you bless us. If you bless me with an offering for anything, I tithe off of everything that comes into my life. Amen. Because it's increased. And so I believe that God, so what? Because God says he'll provide seed to the sower. So I sow off of that. But then in that other area, you've heard me tease about it. That's my she money. She didn't know I have it. She ain't getting none of it. And so if I want a fishing pole, if I want to, to buy some bullets for my handguns or do that, it comes out of there. It doesn't come out of our general fund because our general fund is being budgeted and is controlled by the master budgeter for our future. That's how we're paying off our house. That's how we paid off our car. That's how we handle everything. That's how we don't charge anything unless we can pay it off at the end of the month. We buy nothing unless we pay cash for it. But we've disciplined ourselves to do that since 1998. Are you listening to me? And you find out that when you set a plan, God will always bless and prosper your plan. But if you're waiting for God to bring you a financial deluge and a miracle before you have a plan and discipline yourself to it, it'll never happen because he blesses the plans of the diligent. Are you doing okay? He does that. So now watch. So what do you have to say? That means your strategy and your plan has to control your schedule and it has to control your decision. Your strategy and your plan will define and determine what you do, why you do what you do. Does it work to fulfill and accomplish your strategy? What are you doing what you do? Is it working to accomplish your plan? Second, next, your actions should flow out of your strategy and plan. Amen. And then watch this. I didn't put this in there, but you can. Your plan has to be connected to people. God has no plan that he's performing in the earth that is not connected to people. Look, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for. So God's not doing anything sovereignly apart from working with people. And the devil wants you to separate yourself from people, to live your own personal Christian life, to watch everything online, to not be connected, to not be a part of a body, to not contribute, because he knows that's the greatest way to keep you unproductive and fulfilling the magnitude of what God provided and planned for you to accomplish. Amen. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, why are you preaching like this? Because I'm supposed to. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So just a little bit of review. I gave this, then I'm going to close this morning. Every promise of God contains a plan to bring it to pass. Every promise has a plan to bring it to pass. Every promise in the Bible is connected to a plan, and it's connected to people. Purpose must have a plan. The, the, I don't, let me just go back to Don't let the devil irritate you with people. Just know people will always be irritating to work with people, you have to be big. You have to walk in forgiveness. You have to have compassion. You have to have understanding. And you have to remember, they're putting up with you too. 
If we just showed as much compassion and understanding to others as we want to receive our help, I think it would be awesome. Amen. The good news is, though, is that God never plans for failure. So if I could be so bold, I wouldn't say it like this. If I'm having failure in my life, it's not God's fault. God's not letting you fail. You're choosing not to follow his plan that he's ordained for success for your life. Amen. In creation, God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. How many know God doesn't have a down day? How many know God isn't depressed? God isn't uh, anxious about anything? God isn't staying awake at night worrying? He's not stressed out? Amen? He is at rest. He's at rest. And we're supposed to enter into his rest. Are you doing all right? So think about it. You're made in his likeness. God had a plan for man and for you. And experience, though, as I said, cannot take the place of a plan. The man with the plan will always overcome the man with just an experience and no plan. Always. Always overcome. I've watched this now, Sue and I, since 1981, this year, 43 years of being in full-time ministry. We've watched people have experience and look for the next experience and the next experience and the next experience to try to fix their life, but they never develop a plan on how to change the way they live their life. And say, go from needing one touch to another touch to another. I thank God for every touch, for every word, for every experience I have. But I want to live by a plan of obedience to God. I want to walk it out. I want to have shoe leather connected to my faith. Can you say amen? So it's so important. Wise planning brings promotion from God. Amen. That's what happened. The two that received the five and talents and the two talents, what'd they get? They got a promotion from God for having a plan of diligence to invest and to use what God entrusted them with. The majority of people meet with failure because of a lack of persistence in developing new ideas and plan to take the place of those that have failed. I shared it with you last week. A great book to read, John Maxwell's book on failing forward. Learn from your mistakes. Amen. I made the mistake of failure in my first marriage relationship. Bless God, I learned from my mistakes. In fact, the Lord told me when, when getting engaged to Sue, the Lord said, do you want to know why your marriage failed? Kind of. Because we don't want to respond. We, it's easier to blame the other person. Well, it failed because of that. No, the Lord said it failed because of this and this and this and this. You know what I did? I called up Sean's mom and I apologized. I said, I'm sorry, I failed. Our marriage failed because I was like this, I was like this, and I was like that. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Amen. And, and I wasn't looking to restore, I was looking to learn and not repeat. Amen. So this year, I learned from my failure, and this year we will celebrate 44 years of success. So you can fail forward. Are you listening to me? See, most people learn, and, and you had a failure. You had a failure in business. You had a failure in that. You had a failure. No, just learn. What did you learn? What did you learn? 
Add what you learned to your plan for future success. I know, don't do that. I mean, this is rocket science, isn't it? <laughs> because that produces that. So if I don't want that again, don't do that again. Amen? Hallelujah. I told you that, that this isn't the most spiritual thing you've heard, but actually it really is. Because it's practical truth to take this and get it out of a book and into your life to produce what it contains. Amen? So watch it. You can't find until you define. Say it again. Opportunity is all around me. There's opportunity all around you if you have ears to hear and eyes to see. You have to have ears to hear, listening for, and eyes to see what God puts in front of you. You have to have ears to hear and eyes to see. What matters is where you put your focus. If I'm just looking at my circumstances instead of looking forward and what can be, if I'm looking at what is instead of what can be, listen to what God says. I know the plans for you to give you a future and a hope. So when God looks at your life, he's looking future. As long as you're alive, as long as you're vertical and breathing, God is looking at your future. Because he's not done, hear it again. God is never done until you're done. Now watch this. Going back to people being connected. Think about all the people, everybody in church. If you've been in church very long, you know people who went to church and got upset and got hurt and got their feelings hurt or whatever. Things didn't go right. Somebody did something wrong. Somebody made them mad. There was no love there. Whatever it was. And now where are they? They're sitting alone, isolated, separated, and completely unproductive, and the devil is going, yes. Because they're connected to no one, and they're giving the devil the victory and glory over their life. And they've given up their hope and their future, regardless of what age they are. I'll just give you a local example. I hear all the time because there's a church in our area that had a big blow up 100 years ago here and there's still people out in the woods who have never gone back because of the problem that happened back there. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. And, the de we're letting the de and they think they're being spiritual but they're giving the devil a great victory. This happens all the time. Think about it. Not just here but everywhere. So you ask yourself this question, where should my focus be? <clears throat> and then set attainable goals, being led by the Spirit. Get a focus, and then start setting the goal. What's the first step I could take? If you're doing like getting out of debt, what do you do? The first step you take is quit charging. Just stop it. Cut your credit card up. I can't, that's my security blanket. Well, no, not, not if, because you, you'll be tempted to buy that thing you don't need right now and to pay for it at 28% interest. Amen? So the first thing, if you want to do that, make a debt not to, to quit spending on non-essential items. And every, if, if you take, okay, instead of buying lattes, we'll take that $15 for two lattes and use it to pay down our credit card. We'll take the pizza and use that to pay down our credit card. We'll take this and use that to pay down our debt. And you put your highest, your highest interest and highest debt up here, and, 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 uh, or, and you start paying them off. And then as you pay one off, you pull that over to the next one and the next one and the next one until you get them all paid off. 
You don't pay off one and say, oh, we don't have that $12 or $25 a month or $35 a month. We could go have lattes and pizza now. No. You put that on the next one. Amen. So you just start, I mean, backwards, you don't start with the highest one. You start with the lowest one. This has a $300 bound. We could pay that off in two weeks, okay? Boom, boom, boom. If we cut this out, this out, this out, and this out, we could pay that off. And then that payment could go to the next one. And we could pay that one off in two months. And boom, 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 boom. And then that one could go to the next one. And we could pay that off in a couple months. Say, Pastor, that, you're just, that's not very spiritual talking about that. Yes, it is. Because your debt has you in bondage and it controls what you do. And you're not free to obey God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So watch this. Set those attainable goals. When you focus your attention, you create strength and momentum. Focus or concentration is key. The key that opens the door to accomplishment. The first law of success is concentration. You know what your phone does? It interrupts your concentration. Amen. It's just like in charge. Use your phone if you want, but if you're using your phone for your Bible here, at least put it on, on, on airplane mode and turn the other voices off so you can listen to God's voice in this moment. Amen. Turn it back on and it'll blow up with all the notifications you missed while you were listening to God. Amen. You see, the most successful people have always been those of concentration who have struck their blow in one place until they have accomplished their purpose. They have one specific idea, one steady aim, one single and concentrated purpose. Barnabas went down and, and, and met the, the disciples there in Berea, and he says, hey, that he encouraged them to serve the Lord with purpose of heart, with singleness of vision and focus. So answer this question. If God gave you the things, I asked you this last week, I'm asking you again. If God gave you the things you're preparing for, would you be prepared to handle them? We were asked that question at a leadership conference years ago, and that's the church. See what? How many want our church to grow? Okay, so here's the challenge. If God brought 50 people into our church today, would we have in position what we need to keep them? Would you have the workers in place? Would you have the, the, the everything in place? Do you have facility? Do you have what it takes to keep the increase that God brings into your life? You prepare in advance of increase. And you get what you give ready for. God doesn't give you more than you can say. God doesn't waste harvest. He gives it where it can be entrusted and can be taken care of and increased. Are you doing all right? And so you're preparing for God to bring increase, but could you keep it or handle it? Amen. So decide what you really want and start planning now to prepare for it. When you decide what you really want, I've always found the how to do it will emerge. When you really decide what you want, it's amazing how the plan comes together. Well, I'm kind of thinking about this. I've kind of thought about, hey, 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 make a decision. Make a decision. Run with it. If it doesn't work, make another one. But, but get stick on something and do it. Can you say amen? Say, Pastor, you're making me real uncomfortable. Good, it's my job. And what? And then believe for God to bring the connections in your life to bring it to pass. God will bring the connections or the people into your life to bring it to pass. Because God never asks us to do anything alone. 
What did Jesus do as soon as he started his ministry? Huh? When God people. He said, hey, come and follow me. Hey, come and follow me. Hey, let, let, come, come and connect with me. Come and connect with me. Come and connect. What did he start doing? He started sharing the vision, started sharing the plan. And they didn't get it all the time, but he kept sharing it, kept sharing it, kept sharing it, kept sharing it. Amen? And so you just have to do that. So it takes people, and you have to make connection with them. Hallelujah. Understand this. When we leave this world, the only thing that will, will remain is your life's impact. And God ordained for you to have a life that impacts others. It's been said that in a lifetime, you directly or indirectly impact the lives of approximately 10,000 people. So how will they remember you? How will you be remembered? Amen. The question is, how are you going to do it? Money or the lack of it does not necessarily determine your life's impact. Amen. How, How many know who Sister Teresa is? I mean, you know, she didn't have any money. Look at her life. She didn't leave her huge estate. But what kind of impact did she have on India and the whole world? Amen. Planted orphans, everything else. Life impact is what you're after. The Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, wrote these words. I have finished my course. I've run the race. I've finished my course. And then having said that, he passed the baton of ministry over to Timothy and walked to the executioner's block and was thereby relieved of his duty, yet his impact has reached farther and is now greater than ever before. So what do I do? Seek to pass on more than what was passed to you. Every generation, you and I, whether you're young or old, thank God for what was passed down to us, but let's pass on more. Amen? Let's strive to do more by fulfilling God's plan in our life. Ephesians 1.12, the Message Bible says, He had designs on us for glorious living. What kind of living? Living with impact. Not just making a living, but making a difference. God has given you a gift. So what do you do? Believe it, discover it, develop it, cherish it, use it, and give it away. That's glorious living. Could you shout amen this morning? I feel like Dr. Gee. Is Mr. Amen still in the house? Is Mr. Hallelujah still in the house? Is Mr. Glory still in the house? Amen. Well, <laughs> amen. That's glorious living. But watch, it takes courage to follow the plan of God because it's too easy to get comfortable where you are and with what God is doing now. You thank God for what he's doing now, but God has more for us as a church. God always has more. He's the God of more. Listen, he's the God who does what? Exceedingly and abundantly above all you will ever ask or think, which means there's always more. Amen. So think about it. He says he wants to bring you a future and a hope, not just an existence. God did not come to bring you just an existence. He says he came to bring you a future and a hope. And one translation even says, and expect it in. I think about it like this. God looks at your life and he looks at his plan for you. He says, this is my plan for you. And I expect you to end up here in it. You know what he wants you to say? I agree. I agree. I have no idea how to get from there to here. But I'm all in. I agree. He has an expected end for us to arrive at. Hallelujah. But what happens? 
What do I have to do? Make your mark on life. Make that decision. I want to make my mark on life. Set your goals. Make your plans with God. And make a vow to keep them. So here it is again. Why preach like this? Because I believe we are living in a very prophetic hour. And we're closing in on the fulfillment of God's word concerning the church. So I don't know about you. I want to live my life to allow kingdom increase to flow through my life. I want my life to produce increase into his kingdom. I don't want to know just how to get blessed. I want to know how to bless him. If I live to bless him, I will be blessed. If I make blessing and increasing his kingdom my priority, he will bless and increase my life to be a blessing in his kingdom. What did God say to Abraham? I will make you a blessing. And you will be a blessing to the generations that flow after you. God wants kingdom increase to flow through our lives. See, I want that. I want to live for more than just a minimum expectation of what life in Christ is all about. Don't set your bar this low unless you're doing limbo. It's not about how low can you go. That's not, that's not Christianity. It's a, come on, stretch yourself. Believe. Have great faith in God. Hallelujah. So what do we do? Make the determination to live and fulfill God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. And in your life today and in this hour, thanking him for what he has done in the past and looking forward to future, the future with great anticipation for even more to come to pass. But to do this means we have to daily lay our lives on the altar as a living sacrifice. Kevin, would you just come to the keyboards, please? Just want some keyboard music. Paul said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, for this is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is a daily exercise, not a one-time prayer at an altar 45 years ago. It's, I have to daily purpose to live his plan out for my life. Bringing our lives as a living sacrifice. Keeping our will surrendered and submitted to his or life. Hear me this morning. If I don't, just life and the God of this world will soon pull us off course. How? With cares, with deceits, and desires. So we must have a plan and a strategy after we say yes. Jesus just simply said, he said, the devil is after the word. When you hear the word sown in your heart, the devil will come immediately to steal it. If he can't snatch it immediately, he'll bring persecution and affliction against you. If he can't do it through persecution and affliction against you, then he'll do it through the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things will choke out the word and make you unproductive. 
He's out to make you unproductive. You have an adversary. Be aware your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, but you have to resist him. You resist him by being steadfast in the faith. No, I've made my decision, and I've set my plan. I'm living for God. I have a determination in my heart. I'm not falling for your trick. I'm not falling for your desire. I don't need the desires of this world. My God gives me the desires of my heart. Amen. And so I stay on course with God that way. But you have to present yourself. Stand with me this morning. You begin by just saying yes to God with your life. You're here today. You're watching online. You've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have a plan on how to turn your life around. God says, I know the plan that I have for you. So you begin by saying yes to him and say, Lord, I understand you forgive me of my past. You forgive me of my failures. I understand you created me. You ordained me. I want to live for your purpose. I need your forgiveness. I'm willing to repent and give my life to you. So let's pray this prayer to Heavenly Father. Today, I believe you created me with your purpose stamped upon my life. You had a design for my life. And you appointed me to be alive in this hour. So today I choose to live for your purpose. I repent of going my way, devising my plans. Today I choose to let those go and accept the plan and the future you have for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Now I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to ask you to reveal your plan and your purpose for my life. I say yes. And I thank you for the plan to follow my commitment to you. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Come on, give the Lord a good praise. Amen. Amen.